What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Good afternoon, all. Dan Cilio on the National Football Show. Welcome aboard here. Next two hours, we just hit here. It's all football, baby. We don't sit around and talk about sorry-ass NBA. No baseball. It is all man's game here. That is football. College, pro, Canadian, Martian, anything you want. That's what we do here on the National Football Show. We welcome you aboard. It's been absolutely spectacular. And for the next couple days, we are just absolutely loaded here on the National Football Show. This hour alone, we're going to have Kadri Ishmael. Guy who won a Super Bowl. He's part of the broadcast team for the Baltimore Ravens. We'll talk some Ravens football. How was their offseason? And we will talk to the general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Kevin Colbert, and get his thoughts. Why did you stay with Big Ben? We have thoughts on that. Okay, why did you go after Najee Harris, the kid from uh, Alabama? They needed him, in my opinion. So we'll talk to the general manager. That'll be all in this hour here. We really appreciate, like I said, you coming aboard. The storyline and the story that just won't go away is this Aaron Rodgers story. Now he's throwing shade at the GM. He's starting to throw names around like Jerry Krause. You know, that contentious relationship that Michael Jordan had with the Bulls GM, even though the Bulls GM, you could make an argument, was one of the greatest general managers in the history of basketball. Think about it for a minute. This guy found Scottie Pippen. This guy made the deal to go out and get a guy like Dennis Rodman. He found Horace Grant, okay? This guy did build a hell of a basketball team, but he wanted all the credit. And what is the number one thing that happens in all sports, especially in football? Egos. They all get in the way. Everybody wants a piece of the pie, and everybody wants their own star. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I was more responsible than Brady. No, Brady's more responsible. Belichick was. Ego is the worst thing that can ever happen to a man because it rips apart relationships. Jimmy Johnson, Jerry Jones, how many times have we seen that? And we're starting to see the same thing and feel the same thing in Green Bay. And what's crazy about it now? Now – 
like I said to you the last couple days here, now they're starting to get it on in public. You suck, basically. No, guess what? Um, you know what? We're very disheartened on how the relationship has started to disintegrate with Aaron Rodgers. This is like Green Bay talking like they're like like the czar of football or something. Dude, we're very disappointed. I don't care what you feel like. Your quarterback right now doesn't want to play in your city. And if Aaron Rodgers is not on that Packer team, you're a four-win football team. Who are you kidding yourself? You're a four-win team. You'll be you'll be drafting in the top five, not 10 next year, in the top five. And you think, see, this is when organizations, again, get over their skis and they think that they're bigger than the players on the field. And this is a mentality that all NFL owners have. It's changed, friends. The quarterback is the biggest position in the United, in the United States right now. I don't care what you tell me about basketball dudes. I could line up 10 basketball guys, not name LeBron James, and nobody in a mall could pick them out. I could put NFL guys that wear helmets in a mall. You'd name almost all 10. We were doing stories on Jared Goff. Who's that? Matthew Stafford, who never won in Detroit. I mean, we're talking about people that, I mean, wear a helmet. Like, like I always say about baseball, I could line up Mike Trout, put him in a lineup, nobody would know who he is. 2,000 people wouldn't know who Mike Trout was. Baseball does the worst job at marketing. The NFL, they own it. And it is the biggest position in all of sports, I say, in America, is the NFL quarterback. You're the quarterback of the Green Bay freaking Packers or the Cowboys or a team in Philly or a team in New York. Hoss, you're a major star in this country. And Aaron Rodgers, he feels he's being disrespected. Okay. Know this. If Aaron Rodgers truly wants out of Green Bay, what do you have to do? You got to be an ass pipe. Plain and simple. How far does Aaron Rodgers want to take this? Okay. Look at what James Harden did. That guy decided to eat himself into being out of shape when he showed up with the Rockets this year, right? Then he started whining and bitching and missing practices and going out to bars. And he was just becoming a distraction to the Houston Rockets. So what did they have to do? They moved him. He wanted out. He basically ate his way out of the Houston Rockets. And that was an organization, by the way, that treated him like a god. It was James Harden time when the plane left. Meetings didn't start until James Harden. They placated to this dude's whims all the time. So it was all on the Rockets. The Packers haven't done this with Aaron Rodgers. You see, the Packers, they've treated a star like crap before, a.k.a. Brett Favre. So they've gone down this road before, okay? How far does Aaron Rodgers want to take this? Does Aaron Rodgers really want to take this into being where he's got to be the bad guy? You see, right now what they're doing, they're, they're volleying back and forth. And both the organization, they want to be careful to their fan base. Because they don't want to go like this. Well, the Green Bay Packers are pushing them out of town. Even though, guess what? You really do feel that the Packers are pushing Aaron Rodgers out. I feel it too. Just by their comments and their actions. You know, they're they're telling you publicly, hey, man, you know, we really love. And all of a sudden, you're starting to see the general manager, like I've been saying, well, for the time being, he's our guy. Hey, you know how I make Aaron Rodgers happy? 
I fired that GM's ass yesterday. I don't need that guy. I need Aaron Rodgers. The Packers aren't going anywhere, okay? And that general manager, if you're going out and you're tripping over yourself like this right now, and publicly you're making your star on your team uncomfortable, dude, that's a you thing. Who am I going to fire if I am the president of the organization? You know they don't have an owner in Green Bay. You know what I'm doing? I'm bringing the GM in. I'm going, tell you what we're going to do. And say you don't want to fire the guy. Yeah, brother, we're going to like put you in a different position inside the organization here because I don't want to make it look like uh, Aaron Rodgers pulled the grenade on you. Um, I'm going to put you in a position where here we're going to just move you off this because um, and maybe three years we'll put you back in the general manager spot. But until that guy's contract runs out or until that guy's ability runs out, I am not getting rid of Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, I can hear, you know, some people going like this. Well, this guy's got to act a little Hey, dude. I said it yesterday and I'll say it again. That conversation, no one cares. You don't treat anybody in life the same. Well, you got to treat everybody in the locker room the same. No, you don't. You think you treat a guy like Tom Brady the same as you do Kyle Trask, the new rookie coming in from Florida? Are you crazy? You think you treat a top sales guy who's bringing in over a million dollars worth of business for you? The same as a guy bringing $20,000 worth of business in for you? If you are, you're dumb. Now, when we're talking about treating people like men, that's a different conversation. You treat everybody the same when you're talking about treating somebody like a man. But when we're talking about production, I was taught this lesson from Jimmy Johnson a long time ago. Hey, dude, Emmett Smith is treated like this, and Bob Smith is treated like that. And Green Bay don't get it. Green Bay still back in the curly Lambo days. I don't even think you guys know who that is. That's the, that's the guy that the stadium's named after, and he was a coach back when horses drove people to work. Okay, right? I mean, so I mean, that's back when, oh, man, we treat everybody the same. Well, you know why you treated everybody the same back in the old days? Because everybody made the same. Everybody made the same money today. Quarterbacks are making 35 to $42 million a year, man. You ain't treating that guy the same. He's, he's basically a guy that sits at the board of directors table. He's a business partner now. Okay, that's the difference. And I will say this about the NBA guy. Hey, when you've got a guaranteed $275 million contract, you can tell your coach to go to hell. Okay? The only people on an NFL team that can tell coaches and GMs to go to hell are the quarterbacks or the guys making $42 million a year are the guys that got seven Super Bowls. The people don't look at me. you got to know who's in the room with you. Are you that oblivious to it that you just can't see? Well, Rogers is his top. He's first ballot Hall of Famer. He's one of the greatest guys ever to throw. I'm not going to urinate on that guy. I'm going to do eight. Do I have to eat a little crow? What's wrong with eating a little crow if the guy brings you 13 and three every year and you're in a conference title game? You know how I look at that? Well, he's a good manager and a good statesman. Eat a little crow for success. Oh, that's right. Ego. Now, on Aaron Rodgers' side, okay, Brett Favre came out today and said, I think the dude's done. Fair enough. You think the dude's done. Okay? That's fair. But if Aaron Rodgers really wants out, Aaron Rodgers is going to have to be the bad guy in this thing. He's going to have to start making it ugly publicly. 
You're not going to get the same ability to be able to walk out the door Tom Brady did in New England. Said it yesterday, too. See, New England doesn't have any mud on their face. You know, the fans and Patriot Nation, they didn't really kick the Patriots' ass. Why? Because everything was done by Tom Brady. He went to Bob Kraft. He told Bill Belichick that he's leaving. He told the fans that he's leaving. What did the Patriots do? The Patriots played the game where they stayed completely out of it. Hey, we wish Tom the best, man. We He'll always be a Patriot. How about when they won the Super Bowl in Tampa? Some of the first people, you got a tweet out of the out of the Patriots Twitter page congratulating the GOAT on winning another one? That is how you keep face with your fans. It was Brady who wanted out here, here in Green Bay. No. What's happening now is they had a montage of him last night at the Bucs game, and Packer fans were booing. If Aaron Rodgers really wants out of Green Bay, he's got to be the bad guy here, like Tony Montana says. Say hello to the bad guy. That's exactly what has to happen here. He's got to be a complete tool. This guy sucks. They did this. I don't want to play here. You may even have to throw a teammate under the bus. Because as great as you are, hey, if you're a second-team quarterback, you say you're Marcus Mariota, you don't really have to say too much to get your ass fired. But in theory, what you're doing in Green Bay right now, you're basically trying to get fired. You're basically trying to get everybody to go down the line where, get this, hey, man, we got to get rid of this guy. He's just making it very uncomfortable, and 2021 is going to be miserable. So this is what you have to do. You have to hold out. You have to not show up to play. You have to not want to show up to any organized team activities. When they send out, like, your schedule when it comes to the offseason for voluntary workouts and all that, you don't open up the email. When they send you text messages, you don't answer them. And what you're going to be called is what people have perceived you as. You know what that is? Unruly, not a good teammate, doesn't want to get along with others. All those things are going to be said publicly. And you're going to have to keep face with this. And you're going to have to hold it yourself. Because look at what James Harden did, like I said, with the comparison. James Harden's on a team now, the Brooklyn Nets, that give him a chance to win the Eastern Conference. Okay? He got his way. And that's what these superstars of today do. I mean, James Harden, you can make an argument that since he's been with the Nets now, James Harden is a guy that's helped that team maybe win, in, win the NBA championship. And you may be looking at the guy here that could be considered the NBA's most valuable player. He got his way. Aaron Rodgers has to do the absolute same thing here. See, there's got to be a bad guy here. And Rodgers, look, the Packers are not just going to go like this. Hey, go ahead, man. Go ahead. That's, you know, go ahead. No problem here, man. You know, you know just we'll, we'll find a place. Where you, that's not going to work, man. You're 26 and 6 over two years. Your touchdown interception ratio is off the charts. You were a bunch of a bunch. You were two bad calls coaching-wise away 
from getting to Tampa and playing for a Super Bowl championship. That NFC championship game was not on Aaron Rodgers. In my opinion, that NFC championship game was on the coaching staff. So, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to be the tool. All right. I was on this morning with the guys, Birds 365, with Jody Mack and John McMullen, and we had a really great time. We got to kind of kick their can around a little bit. We had a chance to talk to some sports, and we, we got into a conversation about Justin Fields and the Ohio State quarterback who's now going to be playing for the Chicago Bears. And by the way, the Bears are notorious, just like the Jets are, for never, ever being able to develop a quarterback. They haven't developed a quarterback since Sid Luckman. That's 70 years ago. And I'm assuming that Jody likes Justin Fields. You know, because I brought up the fact that, yeah, he did win the Indiana game. Okay, but he did have three picks in the Indiana game. I can't remember the last time Indiana was good. I think, like, back in, like, the late 60s, they were good. They've never been good. And Justin Fields is a really good athlete, okay? I saw him in the Big Ten championship game, and I was like this. Okay, well, to me, there's nothing special about that. Then, you know, I saw him in the – Playoffs, and then I saw him in the title game. I don't know. I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm not impressed. And here's been my big thing and why. You know, I, I, I tried to tell Jody that this is how I look at building a team when it comes to drafting guys. I'm going to play the percentages to have my draft be as successful as I possibly can, okay? The majority of the people who go into the small conferences – and look for the small teams, those are diamonds in the rough. And when you're spending owner's money today and the economics that you see that are being spent, when it comes to evaluating, bringing them in for workouts, talking to them, giving those signing bonuses, you better be right, man. You're spending a king's ransom when it comes to college scouting and it comes to potential guys that you're going to take in the upcoming NFL draft. You've got to be right. Your job's on the line. When you're a personnel director and you're a general manager, you can't be whiffing on first, second, third, and fourth round guys. So how do you alleviate that? You've got to look at big picture. Now, do you take each and every single individual case and do you look at every individual case and go like this? Yeah, man. You know, I mean, yeah. Is Jerry Rice from Mississippi Valley State? Absolutely. That's that's an outlier. Would I miss on him? I said this yesterday. Would I miss on a guy like that? I would. But I'm not going to miss on Julio Jones or Andre Johnson if they're sitting in my neck of the woods and I get a chance to pick a wide receiver. I know coming out of those programs that these guys throw the ball, they play against some of the top talent in the country, my chances of that guy sucking out loud are going to be minimal compared to a guy that plays in the WAC or plays in Conference USA. And you're trying to diminish the averages on you not getting it right in the upcoming NFL draft. Sure, you know what? You, you were, do you think that everybody truly looks at every single kid that's out there, or do they start doing this? Let's funnel it down to about 50 guys that I think we can look at that could potentially help our football team. That's why you see free agents make the NFL all the time, because you know why? 
Folks, half the league is undrafted players. Where does that come from? Because they didn't evaluate him. You know, Tony Romo was undrafted. Okay, how could a guy like that, who completely superseded any expectations when he came out of college, how could a guy like that go on and be arguably one of the best quarterbacks in Dallas Cowboy history? Or Kurt Warner, how could you miss on that guy? How, how, how can you miss on a guy like that? Okay, so for me, it's about the averages. It's about getting it right. It's about making sure that you look at the – that's why I'm a Southeastern Conference guy. I go into the SEC. I see that 65 guys got drafted this past weekend. The chances of me being able to hit on a guy out of that conference, and he may be a third or fourth rounder, are 10 times better than a Conference USA guy. So you're now saying, so you're recruiting conference and school? Well, to some extent, I'm recruiting everything. The player's ability first. Does he fit into what we're looking to do here? Has he played against great competition? Has he excelled against that competition? You see, you've got to find a dance partner. It's like going and looking for a person you want to date. You're not going to date everybody. I like this person. That's a good look. This guy gets separation at the line of scrimmage. This guy knows how to get it done. And, you know, let's talk to him. So you talk to him. You like him more after you meet him. Then you start to get an idea about his family. Then you start to get an idea of what makes the guy work. And then you start to fall in love with the guy. That's somebody I might want on my football team. So when it comes to guys like Justin Fields, I look at the program that he's at. Now, watch this. Let's start with his ability. He's good. Not suggesting he's not. But is the NFL good? Okay, what do they do at Ohio State? that has not given them the opportunity produced at that position. Well, you've got a lot of great talented people around them. And you know what that is? You've got a lot of great people around them that are in the running game, okay, that are in the running game, that are an opportunity for people to understand that, you know, when you're in that conference, you've got to be able to get that guy and you've got to be able to understand that that conference makes things happen. All right. We're going to try to effort our friend, Kadri Ishmael. We'll take a quick timeout and keep it right here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. 
IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Cancilio National Football Show. God, man, it's 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 been a great start to the show too. Kevin Colbert's going to join us in this hour, and I'm so looking to talking to the general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're also trying to effort our friend Kadri Ishmael, part of the broadcast team for the Baltimore Ravens. So we'll talk a little Ravens football. I just so love both these organizations. I really do. I think the Ravens get it right. They've got a phenomenal culture in that building. They look for the best player possible that they can put in each and every single position to win. And when you get drafted by the Ravens, it is an absolute opportunity for you. Same way when you get drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers, they give you an opportunity to be successful when you go to those respective football teams. So make no mistake about it. Um, You know, you're talking about a chance to be able to really win some football games. Those are the type of teams that you get a chance to really be able to win, okay? I mean, that's that's without a doubt um, the way that you win is that you build a culture, okay? You build a culture, and you are a guy who sets the culture. Guys like Ozzie Smith who set the culture, the Roonies who set the culture when it comes to the Steelers, I mean, you know, sometimes people, they look at that and they go like this. Look, man, make no mistake about it, okay? If you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you're either doomed to be a failure or if you start doing the same thing over and over again, you're in a position where you start building a successful culture in your building. That's what Tom Brady brought to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. When he went down to Tampa – he, it's exactly what he brought down there. He brought that intangible that they had been missing, and maybe even Bruce Arians had been missing. I mean, that kind of culture. Remember something, too. Arians was also in that Pittsburgh culture. You know, he was the offensive coordinator there for Ben Roethlisberger for years when he was in Pittsburgh. So he takes that, and Bruce Arians takes what he learned. He takes it, and – he ends up going to a scenario where, you know what? He teaches Andrew Luck that situation, and he teaches that to him in Indianapolis. 
I mean, Bruce Arians, by the way, we're going to have him on tomorrow. We're going to talk a little football with him. All right. I, I, I want to hit on Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin, the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, is so one of my favorite football people of all time. I love the coach. I was so happy to see that the Pittsburgh Steelers gave him a contract extension, and we were able to do that. And he was, I think, in line for it. Look, look at the success that he has had as a head football coach in Pittsburgh. How anybody on the planet would want not want Mike Tomlin in that building is crazy. You know, you hear people say, well, he really hasn't won enough in the postseason. I tell you this, well, you're in the era of Brady in the AFC when he was in New, he was in he was in New England. I mean, what was Peyton Manning and what was his postseason numbers during the Brady era? You know, I I, I compare the Brady era to the Tiger Woods era. And the fact that Tiger Woods, you got to remember something here. Tiger Woods dominated the world of golf, right? Well, okay. You think Phil Mickelson was ever going to be the number one golfer in the world? He was never the number one golfer in the world. He was a guy that he was a guy that lived in the shadows of Tiger Woods. Hey, Carl Malone. Carl Malone may have played on some of the greatest basketball teams of all time that never won a championship. Why? He was in the era of Jordan. And when you have scenarios like that, hey, man, that's just the role of the era. Certain guys are going to dominate the era. Tom Brady has dominated the era. Look at during the Brady time. How many quarterbacks won Super Bowls? Joe Flacco from the AFC. Peyton Manning. Right? Ben Roethlisberger. Right? There's a handful of guys that won Super Bowls during the Brady era. And sometimes when you're in that era, hey man, make no mistake about it. You're just you're not you're in the era of Bill Belichick is what I'm saying if you're Mike Tomlin. Now remember this too, when you're in that building in Pittsburgh, okay? The opportunity for you to be successful and the opportunity for you to win championships, the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be that football team. They're always going to be good. They're always going to be in the conversation because they do the same thing over and over again. And what they do is they never deviate off their plan. They may massage that plan, but they'll never deviate off what made them successful during the Chuck Knoll days during the Bill Coward days, and also this, okay? All right? All right. Let's take another time out here, see if we can catch up with our friend Kadri Ishmael. Then we're going to have Kevin Colbert to keep it right here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite it's your vacation and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one the wildwoods your vacation your way
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. National Football Show with Dan Cilio. We're going to try to effort our friend Kadri Ishmael and also the general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Kevin Colbert. Dear friend of mine. Love Kevin Colbert. By the way, let me put it to you this way. You know, I heard a lot of the people out there uh, asking the question, why the Steelers, okay, re-signed Ben Roethlisberger and asked him to redo his contract. Why do you personally think that the Pittsburgh Steelers did that? Why do you think that the Steelers wanted to have Ben Roethlisberger back at a fair price, obviously, later in his career? They had a spectacular year. Hey, and for the record, it's not that the Steelers didn't want to have the quarterback back. That's not what that was all about. But you you have to understand something about Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's not a free agent place where these guys go out and try to find the next shiny lure. Pittsburgh is a place that when they draft you, they want you to be a Pittsburgh Steeler for your entire career. That's what it's about to be a Steeler. That's why everybody in that place has been around for 20-some-odd years. That's why when you're a Pittsburgh Steeler, you get an opportunity for success. You know, they bring you in the building because, and you'll know this, When you go into that building in Pittsburgh, this is what they are expecting of you. This is what we've done since 1969. We may have moved some things around a little bit, but you have to understand, you're going to get every opportunity here to be successful. And if you go back in history of the Pittsburgh Steelers and you look at their drafts, I guarantee you numerous dudes that have played in that organization – I'm telling you, man, those guys must get a lot of second contracts. And that's the key, is getting to that second contract and getting an opportunity to win ball games for that organization. You know, to go with Ben Roethlisberger, when I saw that they restructured his contract and I saw that they brought him back, 
I heard all the how the owls out there, and I heard all the people just blowing steam, going, "Oh my God, you brought the guy back." The guy did win twelve ball games last year, friends, and the Steelers had to improve on third and one. It was not anything in between the twenties. They had to get better in the red zone, and they had to get better on third and one. And the Steelers addressed that in the offseason and then in the draft when they got Najee Harris. But the number one scenario, again, came down to this. They were wanting to make sure that they were going to do this and that they were going to bring in a quarterback that, get this, that they're comfortable with and that the Steelers know this. The Pittsburgh Steelers brought Ben Roethlisberger back. Why? Because they like continuity. They like stability. You've got to look at an organization's mentality and how they do business and how they have structured their team and how they've not deviated. There was a guy back in the day by the name of Neil, Neil O'Donnell, okay? Neil Donahue, excuse me. And Neil was the general manager of the Steelers for like ever. And he built that same culture in that building in Pittsburgh. And then what did they do? They passed the baton off to Kevin Colbert. And basically, they have kept in line with exactly the way that the Roonies run that organization. So when they brought Ben Roethlisberger back and they restructured his contract, that was not going to be a surprise to people who understand the business and people who understand that when you're looking at how they run their business and how the Pittsburgh Steelers have done their business for like the last 50 plus years, they were not going to not bring Ben back. Now, could they be in the market next year to look for a QB? Could they be looking at something down the line to try to bring in guys? They may even have a guy in their own building right now that they fall in love with. So just so you know, make no mistake about it, okay? When the Steelers do business, they do business for one thing here. You know what that is? They do business to make sure that they are going to be in a cohesive way, just to make sure that everybody is all on the same page. That's how they do it, okay? That's how they will always do it. That's how Chuck Knoll did it. That's how Bill Coward did it. And this is how Mike Tomlin has done it. He's my favorite football coach. And as I said, man, I just love the fact that they gave him. Uh, and I just love it. I just love the fact that they gave him that three-year contract extension. I think he's on his way to the Hall of Fame. To, to the Hall of Fame. I think he's got a great opportunity to win more games this year. Probably a twelve or thirteen uh, win football team this year. They did such a great job in the draft. But then again, Pittsburgh always does a great job in the draft. I just think again, one of the issues that I had with the football team a year ago was third and one. And when you bring in a guy like Najee Harris and you bring a dude like that into the conversation, you're going to get yourself a third and one back. And can you imagine Pittsburgh being better at third and one? And then when you have a quarterback that throws the ball over the top, and that's why Pittsburgh addressed the third and one issues. And we bring our friend right now in, Kevin Colbert, the general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers. How you doing, Kev? Doing great, Dan. How about yourself, man? What's going on? Oh, good, brother. You know, I was just talking about – let's start it out here with what you did in the draft. I did this, Kev. I said that the reason that the Steelers went out and got themselves a running back like Najee Harris, I can't think that you guys were too happy 
with the third and one situation that you guys had a year ago, and especially sometimes even in the red zone, even though you guys won 12 ball games, you address that in this draft. I love the kid too. You put a kid like that in your huddle, man, and you got a team that won 12 ball games. You got to have yeah, a lot you know of optimism. Um, yeah, I mean, we are, Dan. You know, I mean, we, we started off 11 and 0. We finished not where we wanted to be, and that was disappointing. And the running game was something that we wanted to improve. So, in a, you know, in my simplistic terms, if you get another runner that can help you in that regard, um, why wouldn't you do it? And, you know, Najee had an excellent career at the University of Alabama. He helped them win a national championship at the highest level. So uh, we're very confident that he'll be able to help us um, win some games for sure. Kev, do you agree with I, – I, I just said this before, bringing you up too. The reason that Roethlisberger was brought back, and I love the move too because you have to look at the Steeler mentality. You guys love continuity. You don't like things to be helter-skelter. And when you get a restructure in a quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger, he's familiar with the offense. You don't have to go out and rebuild on the fly. You restructure that contract, and this is just a Steeler way here, right? I mean – this is you, you guys love stability. Well, and, and to Ben's credit, I mean, shortly after the season ended, he came and he visited with us, myself, Coach Tomlin, Mr. Rooney, and, and he, he stressed that he really wanted to come back and play in 2021. And he knew in order to do that, he was probably going to have to make some adjustments uh, to his contract, which he was very willing to do. And really, it set off a nice um, precedent for some of our other veteran players that were able to come back to us. And again, following Ben's lead, we were able to keep some vets that we didn't think might might not be able to keep. But he was very willing to do that at this point in his career. Look, he's he's won Super Bowls. I'm sure he's going to be a Hall of Fame player, but he's not done. And he stressed that and was willing to not only stress it, but to do something to make it doable for us, which he did. Now it's up to us to act on it. Kev, let me go here then. I got some questions here that I wrote down here because I, for you, I mean, you probably sit there with all your guys, all your scouts, your personnel directors, and you look at your offseason and you have to put an assessment because we're all under the eye in the sky. You know what I mean? So give me something here. Give me the strengths that you feel that you guys have made this offseason here with the team. Well, I, I think, you know, we've we've tried to retool the offensive line with some younger guys that are going to have to come in and, you know, help. When we went into this draft, we knew we could look at our team and said, look, we could play a, a game right now. We had, you know, 50 players that had NFL experience, albeit maybe not in the roles that they'll play for us and maybe a more advanced role that we might ask them to do. So they have to prove that they can do it. Uh, but we knew we had stability. We would have some change, but again, not with totally young players up front. The, the wide receiver core is pretty much intact. You know, we got you got three of the runners back we had last year. We added another vet in Kalen Balazs, and then you know, of course, drafting um, drafting Najee. So we feel good about that. The quarterback position, we have four NFL quality vets um, that have either started games or have played in games. Um, the tight end position, we were able to add another young guy to Eric Ebron and a couple of young guys pushing on there. And then defensively, really, um, we, we, we understood that Bud Dupree 
was probably going to have a market that we weren't going to be able to entertain. And unfortunately for Bud, it worked out. Um, Alex Highsmith did a nice job stepping in there. We got the majority of our defensive front and back. Um, we made a switch at the corner position. Again, salary cap precluded. We have having us to do that. But then we have our safeties back. We have all of our specialists back. So um, we just hope that we can put together a team that is more in that 11-0 and range and not in the 1-5 and that we ended. Kev, do you agree? And I saw more noise around the Pittsburgh Steelers than any time in my life over the last three years. The Le'Veon Bell situation, the A-B stuff, you know, noise all over. And it's so unsteeler like Was one of the things that you guys had to do this offseason was sit down with Juju Smith-Schuster and go like this, we want you here. I mean, because that organization is the – you guys are the gold standard on developing your own guys and re-signing your own guys. But there's a stealer way, too, on how you guys do business. Do you agree, Kev, that it's more, it was more than just the money, it was more than just the roster spot? You had to determine whether or not this guy wanted to stay here or not. Yeah, and, you know, in, in Juju's case, he did want to stay, and we wanted Juju to be here. Look, none of us are perfect. Some of us do some things that we wish we hadn't do, done I mean, I've drafted some players that haven't worked out. You know, coaches made some decisions on whatever, third and one that he may regret, but we all have to live with our mistakes and learn from our shortcomings. And that's that's the challenge that we all have. And the one thing we always set ourselves up for is, look, Super Bowl is all we're talking about. If we're not winning a Super Bowl, there's nothing else to talk about. Uh, we can, you know, I said it last year, um, everything that we did, you know, was an eight and eight decision this year. Everything we did was a one and done decision and there's no getting around that. So all of us have to be better than a one and done. And that's, that's the goal. Why Dwayne Haskins? What, 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 what sparked your interest in the Rooney's interest and Mike Tomlin's interest to want him to be a Pittsburgh Steeler? Dwayne Haskins is a young, talented quarterback. Uh, he came into the draft the same year we drafted Devin Bush. He was a 14th pick uh, we loved him coming out of Ohio State. Uh, we always felt that he probably wasn't ready for the NFL level. You know, players make decisions for whatever reason. Uh, that's their decision. And um, he got put into a situation that didn't work out for him. He's a good kid. He's a talented player. Um, he wanted to be here. He wanted another opportunity. And we were like, sure, why not? I mean, it's it's a it's a good opportunity for him, and it's a good option for us again we have Ben we have Mason Rudolph you know we have we have uh, Dobbins came back to us and now Dwayne will be in the mix as well so that's what I mentioned we have four quarterbacks that have played in NFL games three of them have started NFL games so when we have some strength at that position um, it was it was really an easy decision for us and Dwayne does strengthen the competition at that position who the heck knows how it will sort out, you know, as those three go into training camp behind Ben. Finally here for you. I saw that you extended yourself there with Pittsburgh. How many more years, Kevin Colbert, are we going to be seeing you run this thing here, man? I mean, you got to enjoy what you're doing, especially in an organization like that. No, we enjoy it. My, You know, my family and I, we're just at that, at that point in our lives where we have to make you know, decisions on whether we truly um, want to keep doing this. And the organization does does as well. Again, um, being a one and done, um, I'm dissatisfied with myself 
and I have to do a better job than I have in the past. So I have to continue to challenge myself and challenge the organization uh, to be better than we were last year. And that's, that's never going to change. And as long as that fire still burns and the organization is willing to, to have me as part of it, then great. Let's go, let's go see what we can do in 2021. Let's go play 60, right? You got it. <laughs> hey, Kev, man, I appreciate it. Make sure you tell my boy Alfredo, look at this, man. You got, I got, I got peeps all over your place now. I got Dunbar, your D-line coach, who was my teammate in the World League. Those funky uniforms that we wore. I got Alfredo Roberts now in the building now. I mean, holy cow, you're going after all these Canes and Big Seals teammates here. I love it. Hey, there's nothing wrong with a, with a good cane. You know that. <laughs> Absolutely. Kev, thank you so much, brother. All right, Dan, you take care and all the best. You got it, man. Kevin Colbert, the general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers there. Yeah, man, I mean, he's got a, a meeting at the top of the hour with the National Football League. So we were fortunate enough to be able to have him step in with us here and get us a chance to talk a little Steeler football. I've made this point to you numerous times about the Steelers. Okay? It's a way of doing business. It's a way that they evaluate their players. It's a way that they go out and – the way that they evaluate the guys. Okay. All right. We're going to take a quick time out and keep it right here on the national football show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation. And we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. Jody Mack. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network.
Welcome back, Dan Cilio, National Football Show. It's great to catch up with the Steeler general manager, Kevin Colbert, and talk a little Steeler football with him. I think one of the teams that will be in the conversation once again in the AFC, barring any kind of injuries, will be that Pittsburgh Steeler team. Make no mistake about it, too. You know, we're trying to effort our friend Kadri Ishmael, too, and I think another team that you could take a look at for an opportunity um, is going to be the Ravens. I think that they're going to be in that conversation as well. I think that that football team has done so many great things when it comes to the offseason. The coach is brilliant. I, I, you know, and let's take a look at it here, for instance, here. John Harbaugh is the better Harbaugh coach. Okay. I mean, John has done a great job in Baltimore. Jim, on the other hand, the khakis, you know, all the other stuff when it comes to, you know, sleeping in a tree house on recruiting. He did a great job when he was um, in, you know, in uh, San Francisco. But make no mistake about it, man. Okay. There's no way that Jim Harbaugh is a better coach than John. Look at what John did, too. What I love what John Harbaugh did. So he goes from a Joe Flacco-type offense, which is a seven-step drop, okay? And he goes, and then you know what he ends up doing? He ends up doing this. He ends up going and he ends up changing that entire offense around so that he can, he, he, he can formulate that offense to fit Lamar Jackson. And... You know, I, I I just marvel at the job that he did. Hopefully, we're going to be able to catch up with our friend Kadri Ishmael and get his thoughts on that football team and what he thinks that football team may end up doing. So we'll talk. Hopefully, get a chance to run him down here. So maybe he's here with us right now. Kadri, appreciate you coming aboard. Bro, can you hear me? I sure can. Thank you so much. I know we're having some technical difficulties here, man, but I appreciate you stepping in with us. Thank you so much. I think I just graduated to the next level of IT work. <laughs> well, then let's do this, man. Let's get to it real quick here. By the way, Kadri Ishmael, Super Bowl champion, part of the broadcast team for the Baltimore Ravens. We so appreciate him each and every single time to have him have an opportunity to step in with us here and talk a little football here with us. So hopefully we can connect with him and get a chance to – uh, talk a little bit with this Ravens team. And I always start this out, Kadri, and I always say this. I never ask how a team did in the draft. I always ask this question. How do you think the team did in the offseason? Do you think the Ravens are better from the last game of the 2020 season to where they are right now? Do you think they improved themselves this offseason? Having a little tech. Kadri, there? Okay. Hopefully we can reconnect here a little bit and get an opportunity to talk with him. I think they did get better. Okay. I think they did have an opportunity to get that football team better. And as I said, they have the coaching. They have the ability to be able to move the sticks. The big question is going to be Lamar Jackson. Is he going to be able to improve? Is he going to continue to get better? I've said this to you. I love the kid. And I was one of those naysayers at the beginning of the year 
and at the beginning of his career where I kept starting to say this, amen, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to improve. And what did he end up doing? Lamar ended up going out, putting an MVP season together. He completely improves. The fact that he is a guy who wears T-shirts that say, I don't care, nobody cares, that's the kind of leader you want. And I heard Bucky Brooks making comments, you know, when we're talking about, you know, potentially moving on from Lamar Jackson. I'm like, why would you move on from a guy that's won 80% of his football games? And he has, in my opinion, solidified himself as one of the most electric guys in the sport. He's a guy that you want in the room because he's another one of those guys that is going to continually get better and better and better. And he has done that. Until he starts a decline where you don't see him getting better, that's when you could start making the assessment on whether or not you think Lamar Jackson can win football games. So far, that's not the issue. Okay? That's not the issue. The issue is whether or not he's going to continue to move on that plane up. Continue to get better. He is. So I never question a player when that player is in that position. He's getting better and better. He's working harder and harder. He's the first guy in, the last guy out. All those crazy cliches that you hear people constantly using, right? Well, he is getting better. And so I'm not going to derail that, okay? Let's see if we can catch up with our friend Kadri Ishmael here a little bit here and see if we can kind of work through it. Kadri, are you there with us there a little bit? All right. We'll see if we can end up trying to figure out and get everything all tested out there. Hopefully we can maybe run down our friend here in the next segment here and maybe get him an opportunity to jump aboard with what we're saying here, okay? All I can promise you is this. John Harbaugh has done remarkable things in that organization, going from Flacco to Lamar, you know, reinventing the entire offense. That wasn't an offense that they had five years ago that won all those games. And let's not forget something. John Harbaugh is one of the very few guys that has had success against, you know, Bill Belichick. And he's gone actually up into New England and up at Foxborough. And he has gone up there and actually won ball games up there. So he's a guy that, you know, you trust. That Ravens football team, I just absolutely love that team. And I think they're going to uh, really do some wonderful stuff there coming up this season. You know, what they did on the defensive side of the football too, okay, they got the defensive end from Minnesota. They brought him in. Calais Campbell, former Hurricane, is in there. I think you bring that kind of leadership into that locker room. But you know what? The Ravens are notorious for that. You know, the Ravens are absolutely notorious when it comes to bringing leadership inside of a locker room. So that doesn't shock you because, to me, it starts there. Look at all the guys that they have had inside the Ravens organization. The Ed Reeds, the Ray Lewises, the Terrell Suggs, you know, the Shannon Sharps, the guys that have all been, like, massive leaders – Inside that locker room, that's one of the things that they try to develop. They develop leadership when we're talking here. You know, and when you're looking at Ravens football here, you know, that's where it starts. 
it starts on that side of the ball, their defensive side of the ball. And John Harbaugh takes it, and he puts that defensive mentality. See, when, you, when, when you're a football team that runs the ball like the Ravens, and you play that style of defense, that's knocking people out kind of football. That's the kind of mentality that sets a tone in the building that you want. What you don't ever want to hear your football team being called is a finesse team. You never want to hear that, okay? You want to hear people say, wow, man, this team runs the ball. They are absolutely a tough-as-crap football team, and these people take no you-know-what from anything when it comes to the type of mentality that they're trying to instill inside that organization. That's why you go back to Ozzy again, who put the entire organization on his back and built that, that fundamental mentality. But John Harbaugh, the coach, had to buy into it too. It was such a great tandem on how they put that together. That's why you're never – how about this? You may, you may play against the Ravens team one day that may be not as talented on offense that they've had in the recent times, but you know what you will play against a team? And you will make sure that you play against that football team each and every single year. And you know what that is? You're going to play against a team that, I'll tell you what, you're going to leave that game with your nose bloody. And that's always been a mentality in the room with that football's team. And um, I see great things again for 2021. All right. Still a boatload of stuff to hit on. Hopefully we'll try to effort our friend Kadri Ishmael, get his thoughts on the Ravens. But I'm going to make a point to you. And I'm going to say this to you. And let's ask this question first, and then I'll answer it. You think Patrick Mahomes wins another Super Bowl? You think Mahomes wins another Super Bowl? I'll tell you on the other side, you keep it right here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. 
The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. Jody Mag, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mac and Jody Mac across the Jacob Media Network. Dan Cilio here on the National Football Show. Tell you this, man, it's going to be a great 2021 NFL season. And we got 17 ball games. We got 17 ball games. You know, it's really crazy that the NFL, you know how they pretend that they care for the players' safety and their health and all this? (laughs) Really, that's why you have Thursday night games, right? That's why you've added a game. And, 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 and I say this to people all the time. I go like this. I go, so they really care about the COVID shots? Since when do they care about the player's health? Now, CTE, <laughs> the greatest thing ever happened to the National Football League was COVID-19. You know why? It kept everybody away from talking about CTE, the number one thing that the NFL is afraid of. A judge has already ruled in the $2 billion lawsuit that the players should be paid for the brain issues and the bad helmets and the drugs that they gave them. And I'm supposed to believe that the NFL is really concerned about the coronavirus. Right. What it's done is it's given another narrative and conversation for you to stay away from the thing that really frightens the NFL the most. You see, the NFL, the NFL and Park Avenue are littered with lawyers. Okay, the front office, every guy in that front office, from Pash to Goodell, they're all lawyers. What's the thing they fear the most? Settlements. Spygate. Deflategate. They don't want to be sued. The owners don't want to be sued. The league doesn't want to be sued. Why do you think Colin Kaepernick is not a member of the National Football League? It's not because of his ability. He sued the league. He's out. This guy was frightening advertisers. Coronavirus, really. That's for the fans and for the media who really don't know what they're talking about anyway. You see, mandating that you have shots and vaccination shots is also, it's also priceless, really. You, you want every single person inside these organizations now to have a vaccination shot. But what you won't do is You won't look at a player who, once he's left the game, and you look at that player's condition that he's in, and you see that that guy potentially could put a shotgun in his mouth or in his chest. He's not going to do his mouth because he wants his brain to be uh, analyzed when he's done, just like Junior Seau did. You know, Junior Seau didn't shoot himself in the head. He shot himself in the chest. Why? Because he wanted to see if his brain had CTE, which it did. All these guys that did that. Andre Waters. Your friend of mine, 
Dave Dorson, Mike Webster, all these guys who had their demise, Terry Long, these were all friends of mine. And so the NFL now is trying to tell its fans, yeah, man, the coronavirus, man, we're making sure every player's safe. Since when did that all of a sudden come around? I tell people this all the time. The league is really brilliant because you know why? They got business partners. And the reason that I'm talking like this right now, do you know how many NFL people that are ex-players and families that contact me and say, please, Sills, do me a favor. Next time that you're on your platforms, don't forget the people that these players today and wear the shoulders that they stand on. They stand on all those players like Joe Delamalore who can't pay his medical bills, bills or guys that like Conrad Dobler who struggle with just getting through his rent each year. I mean, you know, when, when, when I hear that, don't be snowed. Remember this, that is a cover for the most important thing that the league fears the most. And that is the CTE case concussions. You know, it was funny back in the day when I was a player, you know how they hid your concussions up? They gave you Percocets and Percodans. They turned you into a junkie. And by the end of the year, you have to dry out just like a regular junkie does at a rehab because you've taken all those pills. And God knows you don't know if you how many concussions you had. You don't know how many times that you got those, what they, what they call them, stingers back in the day. Yeah, so don't let anybody fool you on this. Coronavirus. <laughs> right. So they care about somebody that may get the sniffles, but somebody who has a brain injury, they could give a crap about. I mean, do the balancing act here, right? Because, see, they're held accountable for that. See, the coronavirus, they're not held accountable for it. Oh, yeah, this is terrible. Let's get everybody vaccinated. Whatever. All right, let's move on. Let's transition into this. So I, I tease coming into this block here about Patrick Mahomes. And I'm hearing everybody do this. Man, this guy's the best quarterback I've seen since Dan Marino. Same kind of impact since Dan Marino. Fair enough? Okay. And I agree with it. Guy's throwing sidearm, three quarters, over the top. This guy's throwing left-handed passes. He's accurate. He's really learning. He's with Andy Reid. This kid is phenomenal. But what will be his demise? His success. His success will be his demise. And you're saying, how can that be? Okay. Anytime you sign for a lot of money in the NFL, name me a player that has signed an enormous deal at the quarterback position in the NFL, and let's see how much success that team has had. Okay. Echo wins the Super Bowl. They had to rip that team completely apart in Baltimore. They had to get rid of the Anquan, the Ed Reeds after a while. Why? Well, because the quarterback was making too much money. And that quarterback refused to take pay cuts or restructure deals. Okay, he refused. See, the guy in New England was showing you the blueprint and how to do it. What Brady did was, see, this is what made Tom Brady a great investor. You see, Brady played the position and the business end of his position in New England like he was a stockbroker. Other places don't do this. Aaron Rodgers is not doing it up in Green Bay. 
he told the Green Bay Packer front office to pound sand. This is what Brady did. It's brilliant. Brady looked at the money that he could potentially make. Brady could have made $35, $40 million, but you know what he did? He took that $15 million that he had potentially that he could have made. He took the $25 million, and you know what he did with it? He reinvested it back into the team. Now, whether the team was in a position for them to go out and get big-time free agents, which they never did. Remember something. When they got Randy Moss, they got Randy Moss from the Raiders for a sixth-rounder. Okay? And they got Darrell Rivas back from the Bucks after he had hurt his knee. So it wasn't high-dollar guys that they brought back or signed. It was guys that had a dent in the fender. When you were in New England during the Brady-Belichick era, you didn't, you, you didn't make a boatload of money. But what you did was you won a boatload of games. That's what the secret sauce was in the building for New England. Okay, and but but it was Brady because Brady was smart enough to do this. I'm going to invest in my team. I'm going to put that $15 million back so that they could take the money and put it in their old line. And they did. They protected Brady. But what they never did was, and that's why there was never any big name guys that were being signed. It was always in the fronts. They, they got D linemen or they got offensive linemen. They made big, they reinvested inside the guys who they thought were really good. They made sure that Gronk was signed. They made sure that there was depth on the team. And most importantly, look at all those Super Bowls that Brady won. They made sure they had a great special teams. And when you're balancing your salary cap like that, you're going to win a lot of games. Well, Kansas City now, get this. So Kansas City, they give Patrick Mahomes this 10-year, $500 million deal, correct? Within a matter of two months, they go to him and Lee Steinberg, his agent, and they basically say this to him. All right, well, we need you to restructure. They lose both their tackles in the offseason. They sign Orlando Brown, which is a great sign, by the way. Uh, one of the absolutely biggest signs during the free agency, okay, was getting him in the building there. And what did they do? They go into the draft. They address it there. They address the old line. They're getting weapons. They're doing all that. The big question will be how many times is Patrick Mahomes going to do what Tom Brady did by restructuring his contract? He's going to have to restructure his contract every year for him to have a chance to win. So I ask you, do you think he really wins another Super Bowl again? You know, people are like, well, the Chiefs, they got one. You're going to start losing dudes. And the window for you to win Super Bowls when you are in the NFL is a five-year window. What New England did with that 20-year window, it only happened because the quarterback did the things that he did with his money. You know, everyone's always saying, how did they win so much? It was Brady with the money. Look at what Brady did when he went down to Tampa Bay. They were really creative. Jason Light, the general manager of the Buccaneers, was so creative. You know, Tom Brady this year – is going to make $48 million. So they kind of like backloaded it and also front-loaded it. They took a lot of the money out in the middle, and he's going to get paid in the front end and back end, but not in the middle here. So like if he plays another year next year, it's going to be menial. But the final year of this contract extension that he just signed, he's going to make another $45 million. It's pretty slick how he did it. You see, when a, when a player and a quarterback restructure his deal, 
You're hoping the organization comes to you and they say, you know, you're owed $35 million this year. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to give you 75% of that money up front. And then the rest of that money is held against the cap. Well, hey, every guy wants to see that. But most organizations don't want to pay that out. I mean, look at what the Dallas Cowboys have to do this year. This is why the, Cow the Cowboys will never win the Super Bowl ever as long as Jerry Jones is there. Think about the mentality. They have to pay Dak Prescott this year $78 million. You're going to pay his salary and a percentage of his signing bonus. He's getting almost $80 million bucks this year in four-quarter payments this season. Nobody likes to stroke those type of checks, okay? And as I told you, his offensive side of the football is all backloaded with three dudes, Zeke Elliott, the receiver, and the quarterback. The offensive line that you have and the money that you have invested in that offensive line, you're going to start having to jettison those guys off the football team because you have to manage that cap that's 185 right now. You better pray that cap goes back over $200, $200 million next year for you to be able to keep some of the players that you accrued and some of the players that you just drafted. You see, the NFL is not just about signing guys and drafting guys. It's also about forecasting things. Nobody could have forecasted the, the pandemic. But the NFL, you got to remember, the NFL, 97% of the money that they generated, not anything to do with attendance. You think the NFL makes money off of attendance? They do, but it's not anything what they make off those TV deals. And you heard me right when I said it. 97% of the NFL's money that goes into the NFL's owners' pockets every year are television money. Attendance, that's for basketball and baseball. Now, does Jerry make money because he has that 100,000-seat stadium there in Arlington? Absolutely, he makes money. Does Daniel Snyder make money with that thing? And Landover, Maryland? Absolutely they do. Does Loria make money with the link? Absolutely. Those guys make money. I'm not suggesting they don't, but that's not their operating budget money. That's not the money they spend on players. That money comes from TV. So whether or not they have one dude in the stands or they have 100,000 dudes in the stands, you're still going to get your $300 million every year and your slice of the pie off that TV. So the NFL owners, okay, <laughs> they're not going to be making it off of whether or not you're in the stands or not. So these guys are making their money, but they still have a cap, and that's what keeps the league and the parity in the league. The thing that makes the NFL the best compared to the other sports is that they're only as good as their weakest link. They don't want teams sucking. In baseball, if the Reds suck, no one cares. In basketball, if the Memphis Grizzlies suck, no one cares. In the NFL... They care about the bottom 10% as much as they care about the top 10%. And here's where I go with this. And I'm going to get to why this is important. I'm balancing your salary cap. And teams that, again, will have an opportunity are the teams that understand that. It's not about drafting guys and signing guys. It's about looking at everything. It is about that, but it's also about the dough. Why do you think the Eagles now, look at the Eagles compared to what that team was a couple of years ago when they won the Super Bowl. Look at it now. You know, I was talking to Jody this morning, and Jody thinks that they're not that bad. I don't know. We'll see. Not that bad? Is that comparing it to the rest of the teams in the NFC East? I don't know what you compare it to anybody in the NFC East. It's the worst division in football. Okay? I mean, let's be fair here. The NFC East is the worst division in football. Look at a quarterback play. You're telling me Dak Prescott's the best quarterback in that division? Well, I'm telling you that that's not a very good division then.
If that's your best quarterback, look at out West in the NFC West. You got this young kid, Justin Herbert, there. You, 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 you've got a guy here in Derek Carr who has finished, according to Pro Football Focus, in the top 10. Okay? I mean, that's AFC West, but both AFC West and NFC West. Look at them. Look at the AFC West. You've got Derek Carr, you've got Patrick Mahomes, right? And then the NFC West, you've got Kyle, you got Kyle, uh, Kyle Murray, you've got Russell Wilson. Now you have Matthew Stafford in the NFC NFC West. The AFC West, too. That's another great division. Mahomes, Herbert, Murray. Hey, man, that's a pretty good – those are good divisions. The NFC East? Give me a break. It's not a very good division when Dak's your number one guy. You get Patrick Mahomes in the AFC West. So circling again back to this. Mahomes and the Chiefs and Clark Hunt, the owner of the team, they have to really do a great job at manipulating the salary cap and constantly going back to their quarterback. What if their quarterback does this? Same stuff we're seeing in Green Bay. Man, Kansas City's just not really getting it done anymore by putting the guys in here because they're paying me so much money. Is he going to take a pay cut? Absolutely not. Is he going to take the pay cut? Are salaries going to continue to escalate? I get it. I get it. Market's going to change. Money's going to go up. The television packages are all going to go up. Absolutely. I get all that. But the teams that have the most expensive quarterbacks, they traditionally don't win. When Mahomes won the Super Bowl, okay, he was still on a rookie deal. Tom Brady, you know what Tom Brady – do you know what Tom Brady's salary was last year? He made less than Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill made 29.5. Tom Brady made 29.3 or something like that a year ago. They restructured his contract, gave him more money. Brady was making a Ryan Tannehill deal. The year previous, Tom Brady was making $25 million in New England. The quarterbacks that make the most money in the sport don't win games because the rest of their team – is light on special teams, defense, offensive line. So it's what I say. I go, okay, will he ever win again? You're going to have to really be creative and keeping guys in your building. The Chiefs have a three-year window. And the only way that they can improve that window is if the quarterback is willing to extend that window. You see, it's not the organization. It's the quarterback. Will the quarterback do this? All right. Let's let's do this. Let's let's restructure my contract so that we can keep our guys in the building. The same way Tom Brady kept 22 guys in the building this year. Okay. The same way that he did that. So I'm just saying, will Patrick Mahomes win another Super Bowl? The likelihood of him winning another Super Bowl is slim. It's slim. Will he be one of the best teams in the AFC this coming year? Absolutely. Absolutely. They're still in that three-year window. But it's slim to think that they're going to restructure his deal every year. He's going to have to resemble what Brady did. Now, he did it this year. It's a great sign. And I think he sees it. Now, at the end of the day, if I'm a Holmes – and I do this, well, as long as I get my 500 million bucks, you can give me five cents right now. But as long as I get that money, 
and you give me a Bobby Bonilla deal, hey, man, and I'll pay for the next 50 years, I don't care really as long as I get my money. Is he that guy? We'll find out. We will find out if he is that guy. All right, let's transition into this. So I saw today that Dak Prescott basically said that he's like, I'm ready to go right now. If I had to play a football game, I could play right now. And I could go out and win ball games right now. See, this is kind of the stuff that I was talking about a couple of days ago about Dak. You know, I was telling you the story about Dan Mullen. I saw him on a show and he was talking about how, you know, this kid just continually gets better and better and better. His leadership qualities are sensational. His want to get better is constantly in front of you. He leads by example. He's not really a rah-rah guy. He's a guy that goes out there, and he's a guy that pulls the plow. He's going to go out there along with everybody else. Those guys are going to go out there, and they're going to work as hard as they possibly can, and they're going to grind that ground as much as they possibly can, and they're going to do it as a unit, and they're going to inspire one another. And that's kind of what Dak brings to a team. And I'm starting to witness that now. He's coming out there, and he's like this. I'm ready to go, man. I'm ready to lead my guys. This is all the things that Dan Mullen said that he saw when he was at Mississippi State and he was his head football coach there. He's now with the Florida Gators, obviously. But Dan Mullen, man, he, he said this, and it, it, it kind of made me do this. I sat back and I went, okay, that's the intangible. Look, there was a guy back in the day. I don't know if you guys know who this is. His name was Jeff George. He came out of college. I think it was Illinois because I know he was at Purdue first, and then he transferred to Illinois. First-round draft choice. He's supposed to go to Miami, but there was something with his character. This guy could throw the ball country mile. Big arm. Big arm. I mean big arm. He's one of those guys that could stand on a goal line, throw it from goal line to goal line. Just a phenomenal arm. And you were just like this. This guy could throw it through a wall. I mean, he's just everything you want in a quarterback. Until you got him around a conversation. Until you got him around the rest of the guys. Until you put him in a huddle. Then you started talking to him. Like Jay Cutler. You know, when you look at Jay Cutler and you talk to Jay Cutler, you swear he's looking over you or through you, not even seeing you in front of you. That's the kind of quarterbacks you don't want in your huddle. When Dak's in the huddle where he's looking you right in the face and he's telling you we need to do this. I love guys like that. You know what? One of my favorite coaches of all time was Pat Riley. And Pat Riley told me this story years ago. This goes into the kind of character that Dak is. They're like game six against the Celtics at the old Boston Garden. And they have a timeout. There's seconds left in the game. This is the junior skyhook that ended up winning that game for the Lakers and then ended up being the first Laker team to go up to Boston and win on that parquet floor. And they make a timeout and you hear everybody going, oh, yeah, Riley's going to come up with a, a plan. He's going to come up with a play here. Pat Riley, this is one of my greatest moments I've ever seen in my life by a coach. He wrote down four letters and he turned it around on the little chalkboard thing that they write on the sidelines during a basketball game. It said, Will. It was nothing about pick and roll, get it to magic, and then get it down to Kareem on the box. It was will. Have the will to win. 
when you get a quarterback like Dak, or what I said kind of yesterday about Jalen Hurts, I'll get to that in a minute. Those are my favorite people. It's not about plays. It's not about drawing up, hey, if you go here on the scene. It's about will. Do you have the will to do whatever it takes, all broken up, leaving pieces of your body all over the field, all over these cities across the country, to get up and go play and lead? Dak Prescott left a piece of his body on an NFL field last year. His teammates were around him, saw it. Everybody was emotional, including the Giants, including Jason Garrett, who was the offensive coordinator of the Giants last year. Jason Garrett said he got more emotional over that thing than anything he's ever seen before as a player and also as a coach. He's watching Dak on the ground hurt because he knows the kind of guy he is. I have fallen more in love with Dak Prescott this offseason than I did when he played. I think his stats are overrated. I don't care about him. Quite frankly, if you throw for 125 yards and you win the Super Bowl, who cares how many yards you throw for? That's for fantasy dorks. Okay? I care you go out there and you do whatever it takes to win. Got to throw for 400 yards? Throw for 400 yards. You throw for four yards and you win the ball game? Who cares? But not in today's landscape, right? You got these wide receivers that are out there going, hey, if I get 14 catches and have 125 yards in reception yardage, that's a good day for them, even if they even if they lose. How many times have you seen that? Well, I got my 14 catches. That ain't my fault we lost. Oh, okay. Really? All right. Well, getting you those 14 catches probably costs us continuity inside an offense play and also probably in a sequence of a series. Just getting you the ball. Do you ever notice why the Browns got better? Okay, when they had Odell Beckham off the field. I'll hit on him here in a second. But to Dak Prescott, I've fallen more in love with this guy. It's not why you think. Does he throw the ball like Mahomes? No. Does he run around like Kyler Murray? No. Does he win games? Not really. He's got to win more. Outside of that first year, I agree. He's got to win more. Does he have courage in the pocket? Absolutely. Is this a guy that you'd want to play with on your team as your starting quarterback in the face of your franchise? Absolutely. I can win with that dude. If you can win with Brad Johnson, a Super Bowl, you can win with Dak Prescott. If you can win with Trent Dilfer, and I'm not comparing him to those guys. I'm not comparing. I'm just saying, if you can win with those dudes, if you can win with Nick Foles, you can win with Dak Prescott. So I fell more in love with this guy. And he... Just by him saying today, I'm ready to go, man. I'm ready to go. And when you got a guy who wants to play and you got a guy who has a passion to play, the love of the game, all the things that Jimmy Johnson said on our show um, a, a, a couple of days back, those are the guys you sign, man. Those are the guys you want on your football team. Those are the guys you want in your huddle. I'm a big Dak guy. And watch this. I think – He's going to have a great year. Now, will the Cowboys? We'll see. Their defense stinks. And I think getting a bunch of college kids, <laughs> we'll see if that ends up playing itself out. All right, I just mentioned Odell Beckham. What is this? What am I doing? It's OBJ. Ready? 
man, he made a really great catch. Wow. That catch was wonderful. One of the greatest catches ever on Monday Night Football. What's he done since? Who is he? Is he a great athlete? Oh, yeah, you bet your ass he is. Who is he? When he was in New York, he was – oh, and by the way, all the people in New York that were bitching about Eli Manning, how's that conversation today when you got Nichols Jones? Personally, I don't think that guy's anything. I think Dimes Jones or whatever, Daniel Jones, Dave Brown to me. Another Duke guy that was drafted in the first round. I don't know. I see Dave Brown. I don't see anybody special. Yeah, but, you know, he's got – hey, okay, Dave Gettleman said it. Okay, dude, we'll see. Okay, but Odell Beckham was averaging 90 yards a game in New York with Eli Manning. He goes to Cleveland. He's averaging 60. Production's down. He's been hurt. He's never fit in. He hates Cleveland, you know, because he's a star. You know, goes on boats down to Miami and, you know, whatever that was. You know, whatever that was on the boat, I don't know. I'm, I don't know if it was a blunt or it was a cigar. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Okay, I had a playoff game. He had to come back to really focused on winning games. This guy's a TV star. Okay, but is he a true wide receiver that wants to win ball games? You want a guy like Beckham on your team? Yeah, sell tickets. Sure. If I had another guy like Larry Fitzgerald on the other side, sure, I'll take him. But if I got a guy like Beckham on my team, he's a distraction to me. You know, someone would say this. Let me tell you something about Michael Irvin. Some would say Michael Irvin was a distraction. You really think that, right? Michael Irvin's the greatest team I've ever been around. I posted numerous pictures of me and him. I got hurt one time at a football game. Michael Irvin came over and checked on me. How you doing, Big Sills? You all right? You okay? Yeah, I'm going, dude. They're taking me off the field. We're all good. That ain't happening. Mike would always come over and check, and I'd check on him if he got banged up. One of the biggest trash talkers you ever see in your life, man, and he's constantly chirping. He's constantly in your ass. He's constantly – I mean, Eagle fans hated this guy. They threw, like, batteries at this dude, man. Hey, man, they cheered when he broke his neck kind of, you know. Yeah, they were they were on this guy. But you know why? Michael Irvin, you know what he always told me about that? He thought that was a badge of courage, man. And he always thought that was a merit badge that Eagle fans were cheering when he got hurt. He said this. He goes, I must have made a big impact in this building. When I played at the vet, these guys here must have, for them to cheer on me getting hurt, I always looked at that and went, you're right, man. You're cheering that I ended up getting hurt? That's awesome. That's that's a merit badge. When When you get a reaction out of somebody like that, Oh, I'm so happy he's hurt. You're damn right you're happy he's hurt. You don't want this guy going 30 on you. That's what you don't want or catching 14 catches for 135 pounds and driving your face into the vet turf. That's what you don't want and talking trash the whole way. Michael Irvin was the greatest team that I've been around. Playmaker could get it done, dude. And, man, you didn't want to be on the other side of the football. One of the greatest trash talkers. But when Michael Irvin was in the huddle – or we were in game preparations, Michael Irvin was one of the most attentive guys that you could possibly have on your football team. He was one of the first people in the building and one of the last guys out of the building. 
He knew exactly the integrity of every defense that he played against. His battles against Aeneas Williams were legendary. His battles against Dion when Dion was on other teams were legendary. And he was prepared all the time, all the time. You think Beckham's that guy? I would make this point to you. I know how much people like Jerry Rice, but if I had to win a Super Bowl, I'll take Michael. I'm pretty good with that. I know Rice has got all the numbers. There's something about that guy, though. You know, things ain't working all right. You need to get a catch, and you need to put him in the slot, and you need a big-time catch. Michael Irvin in today's game, not saying Jerry Rice wouldn't do it too, but Michael Irvin in today's game where you couldn't touch him, you couldn't defend him. You couldn't defend Rice. And then an old guy, get off my lawn conversation. That is not. Those dudes, man, would be unguardable. And when I see a guy like Odell Beckham, I do this. I go, I don't know. Okay. I see the guy catching the pass, and they keep throwing that highlight up. It, it, it's like the Jadavian Clowney highlight when he was at South Carolina, when he smashed the uh, Michigan quarterback at the Outback Bowl. How many times do they throw that highlight? You know, so many guys in that league are overrated. Jadavian Clowney is a bum. You're really going to give look, – look at what the Browns just did. The Browns gave him some money, right? Since he's been drafted into the National Football League, you know he's never had a double-digit sack year? You call that elite? I can name you 10 guys that are elite compared to that. He's not elite. When he was on the Texans, he made no impact. Zero. Zero impact. I'm not giving a guy like that any money when you don't have double-digit sacks and you're calling yourself one of the elite guys. This guy won at $18 million. That's why he never became an Eagle. The Eagles went like this. This guy's never had double digits. How he looked at him when, when they were trying to move him and Texans were trying to move him. And this offseason, the Eagles looked at him. I know they did. But they went like this. Press tag's too much. He's not that productive. You're looking at the name on the back of the jersey. You're not looking at the production. He's not a very productive guy. My point is that some of these guys are so overrated and overhyped because of television. Yeah, Clowney and, and Odell Beckham, these two dudes have two highlights they play over and over again. But then when you start looking at the numbers and impact that you have on a team, Terrell Owens was 10 times the player Odell Beckham will ever be. Is he a better athlete than him? Not really. T.O. Was, was a great athlete. Okay, but he's not Beckham. He's not. He's not Beckham. So Odell Beckham Jr., Browns move him. You're never going to get the first round for him. You're never going to get the big money for the guy. Most you probably get for a guy coming off an injury is probably a fourth rounder right now. But if I were the Browns, I need the roster spot. I move off that guy. Do you find it any coincidence that the New York Giants, once they gave him that $97 million contract, three months later they were trying to deal him? They had realized giving a guy like that $20 million a year, $20 million a year, and your production has gone from 90 yards a game in New York to 60? Guys, <laughs> right? That's not production. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout. I think Tim Tebow is going to come back into the National Football League, and his buddy, I think, is paving the way to make this happen. Well, hit on it. You keep it here on the National Football Show. 
Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. Jody Mack. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mac and Jody Mac across the Jacob Media Network. Welcome back. National Football Show with the Big Sales. Kevin Colbert was awesome in the first hour. Always great to get the general manager of a very successful football team like the Pittsburgh Steelers on the program. By the way, rest of the week, man, scheduled to join us tomorrow will be the head football coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Bruce Arians. That'll be about 4.30 Eastern time, so we'll catch up with the head coach of the Bucs. And then on Friday, we're going to catch up with the chairman of CBS Sports, and he's a dear friend of mine, and his name is Sean McManus. Now, his father is the legendary Jim McKay. It's really a cool story how we've been childhood friends since I think we were 18 years of age. And nothing goes through CBS Sports without it first landing on Sean McManus's desk. Nothing. NFL, college football, Southeastern Conference football, the Masters, everything lands on Sean's desk, and Sean gives it like Caesar, thumbs up or thumbs down on whether or not it's going to be part of a broadcast. And it's a really great story how our families all came together. It's funny, when I was a kid, I used to play in Connecticut high school football at Stanford Catholic, and he went to um, a high school called Fairfield Prep. 
And so we got to go back and forth and I started getting recruited by schools around the country. And then Maryland was recruiting me. And this guy, Doc Santanella, was a dear friend of the University of Maryland. Well, his best friend's Jim McKay. And so all of a sudden I'm getting into recruiting and I go to dinner with this guy and at the dinner table is Jim McKay. Yeah, that Jim McKay, they're all gone. Munich, the Olympics, wide world of sports. I was floored. I'm going like this. Okay, that's Jim McKay. So I'm sitting there with this guy, Doc Santanello, who lives in Westport. Because I want you to introduce you to Jim McKay. I end up going fishing with these guys later in the week. And we had this once a month fishing trip that we would go on to this loaded pond um, near Wilton, Connecticut. And we would just talk sports and fun and everything. And in the process, his son was moving up the ranks of CBS and ABC Sports. And it's really an amazing story. He'll tell it to you tomorrow or Friday. He'll tell it to you. I'm, I'm sitting at another dinner. Rune Arledge walks in. And I'm sitting there going like this. That maybe this is something I want to get involved with. So sure enough, my legendary relative, Andy Robustelli, who knew Frank Gifford, uh, told me to contact. You've met Rune Arledge. Talk to him. So I talked to Rune. It put me in touch with a bunch of people at ABC, and that's how me and Sean became even better friends. And it was crazy. Jim McKay used to come to my high school football games. Like, he would be all, like, you know, like hidden in a disguise. i go like this. Oh, that's pretty cool. There's Andy Robustelli and Jim McKay sitting there watching me play high school football uh, at Stanford Catholic in Connecticut. Absolutely incredible. And we have been friends for over 40 years. And he'll be on with us on Friday. <laughs> it's really an incredible story. But, you know, some of the things that I was telling you about a little earlier about how the NFL is really dictated off these television contracts and how much the coronavirus and COVID-19 has really decimated that salary cap. They just renegotiated all of these new deals. I guess from what I understand too, uh, Thursday night football starting in 2022, I think is going to be Amazon Prime exclusively. So obviously now, hey, what we're doing here because, look, I am an old-school radio guy. I love radio. But now what we've become is platform performers. You know, you're, you're, you're on YouTube. You know, you're on your radio show. You're on TV. You're doing all these things. You're, if you're just a radio guy today and you're not a platform performer, then guess what? You're getting swallowed up by the times. you got to constantly evolve. And that's kind of what the NFL is doing now. The NFL is evolving into being a platform provider of content. That's why when you see them on Amazon or you see them trying to develop something on Facebook or you see some of those games over in London being put on another platform like Yahoo, that's the experiment that they're trying to do because you know why? Look, the internet without a doubt has made a massive influence when it comes to broadcasting. Okay, and it comes to journal. Look what it's done to the newspaper industry. It's destroyed it. Look at what it's kind of doing now to the radio industry. It's completely cut it in half. You know, when I first started in radio about 27 years ago, radio it was it. All the economic dollars, all the advertising dollars, television and radio was all dropped there. Now it has been cut up so much now. YouTube, streaming, um, all types of different platforms now that people are on. 
Um, it's no longer just radio. That's why I say when we get Sean on on Friday, he'll explain it to you. The number one product and content provider that CBS itself, and I have had Les Moonves back in the day when Les was running the network. I've had him on my program before. The number one provider right now for CBS is not entertainment when it comes to Hollywood. The number one entity for them to generate eyeballs and revenue is NFL football. And to some extent, the college football game, especially the Southeastern Conference package. Final Four also in that mix, along with the Masters. If you looked at some of their top broadcasting events of the year, it all comes through television and it all comes through sports. So the number one department at CBS is CBS Sports. It's not CBS News. It's not CBS Entertainment. It's CBS Sports. And so the chairman will join us at 4.30 on Friday. And he's been a friend of mine for a long time. I think you're going to really enjoy it. He's really good. And by the way, he is a gigantic NFL fan. He's a gigantic Southeastern Conference fan. And he is the guy that kind of gives, like I said, the Caesar thumbs up, thumbs down on what's going on in broadcasting. So we'll talk to Sean. That will be on Friday again, like I said, at 430. All right, let's transition into this. So you see Urban Meyer, what he's doing for his boy Tebow? I think Tim Tebow, and I'm paraphrasing this, I think Tim Tebow can help us win games. When's the last time Tim Tebow played a football game? I Really, I don't even remember. When's the last time he played a game? I think if I'm not mistaken, wasn't he like active in the Patriots and they didn't play him in the final exhibition season game and then they caught him or something like that? They had him on special teams and he refused to play any other position. They wanted him to try to play halfback or something to see if he could play. And I probably thought he'd probably end up playing in the NFL if he would have changed positions. Hey, if you could stay in the league, ask Heinz Ward what it's about changing positions, okay? You want to change? You, you want to stay in the league? You'll change positions if it comes down to it. Look, you're never going to play in this league. Okay, a little different than we're talking about Lamar Jackson coming out of college. You know, when you've gone through your third team and they're telling you they're going to cut you if you don't try this, and then they end up cutting you, that's a you thing. Jets, right? Jets, Patriots. Broncos, all these guys that were like, no, nah, I don't think so, quarterback, son. Even though you want a playoff game, it ain't working, okay? So now Urban Meyer gets the job in Jacksonville, okay? His coach in college, Urban Meyer, Gators, owes a lot to Tim Tebow, won two national championships, kind of. Remember, Chris Leak was a quarterback of that first national championship team. Tebow came in like on the goal line, and for whatever reason, they hurt the chances of Chris Leak trying to win a national championship. Tim Tebow did not lead that Gator team his first national title. It was Chris Leak. But, see, that gets kind of swallowed up in the narrative and in the media. Oh, this guy led the Gators. To, he didn't lead anything, the two national titles. He did one, very, very true, but not that first one. That was Chris Leak. But he's got two titles on his resume, and the media have. And, by the way, he was one of the greatest college football quarterbacks 
in the history of the sport. There's no getting around that. None. No getting around it. But on the way to figuring out that he's not a very good baseball player and the Mets gave him an opportunity. Hey, and for the record, I'm, I was okay with it. You know why? Kid wants to continue his dream. Organization wants to pay him. Organization wants to give him an opportunity. And you know you got those tool bags out there doing, ah, hey, you're taking a roster spot away. Who cares? You care about minor league baseball? <laughs> really? Since when? Oh, I see. Since Tim Tebow's on the team. And you think he doesn't deserve to be there. Who cares? The organization, every time Tim Tebow probably stepped to the plate, was thankful that he was in the building because people came to see him play, which meant that you met, had other people with eyeballs on seeing other players play. And what he did was he brought exposure to your organization. And every time that he was in St. Port Lucie, there in Florida at the Mets camp, you know, the places were absolutely packed. They sold jerseys. They sold a boatload of Tim Tebow Mets jerseys. I don't know how that's a bad thing. Why do people have to be so, like, negative on everything? My objective in my life is trying to get to yes, not no. I try to get to yes. So having a guy like Tim Tebow on my football team or baseball team, how can that in any way be a bad thing? This guy's a champion. He was a great baseball player in high school. I don't know. So now he's getting an opportunity. And he worked out from what I understand, he worked out last week. And I guess the workout went very well. He's still exceptionally fast. He'd have to be to be in shape to play baseball. And they threw him some passes, and everybody was really impressed. And Urban Meyer says, I think this kid can help us win ball games. Now, is it late in the game? We're talking about a guy. I think he's in his, I think he's 30-something, right? He's a 30-something guy. Most guys are talking about retiring when you hit 32 or you're around in that age there, right? But if Urban Meyer wants to give him an opportunity to make an NFL roster and he's good enough to make the team, the players are going to determine that. The locker room is going to determine that. If TB, You think anybody gets free hall passes to play in the NFL? You think any one of those 47 chairs in the NFL is handed out? What do you think this is? Some liberal business where you hand things out to people for free? That's not what this – when you're in the NFL, you earn that chair. Tebow will be – and his success will be determined by what he does in training camp and what he does when he plays in these exhibition games. If there's going to be any this year, I, I don't know what the schedule is going to be because of what we see with the um, uh, with the new additional game and the 17th game being added to the NFL season this year. I don't know about the exhibition season. I have to double check on that. I don't know if they paired that back or not. But let, 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 let it play out. How about this? Watch this. Are the Jaguars now kind of interesting now to take a look at? How many times have you said Jaguar football in the last 10 years of your life if you're a football fan? Like never? Or how about this? Better yet, only when the draft shows up, right? Because usually they suck. Hey, <laughs> Right? Usually they – we're always talking about them like in non-football contact. Oh, the Jaguars got the first pick. You're like, oh, God, again? This is not a bad thing, folks, for the league. And by the way, you think the jersey sales are going to go through the roof? Tim Tebow playing in Jacksonville where he went to high school, a couple hours away from the University of Florida. And if he's got any gas in the can, you don't think Gator fans are going to want to show up and play in Jacksonville? 
you know that Urban Meyer's going to Shea Khan and going like this. You want an additional 15,000 people paid attendance to come in and buy season tickets? Yeah, that's why we hired you. Okay, well, they're going to come see me. But they're clearly going to come see that dude. Because I'll, I'll, I'll make this point to you. If you put a Gator ticket in Jacksonville, in Jacksonville, downtown Jacksonville, at their Sheridan, downtown, right there on the walkway, right where they played a Georgia-Florida game, if you put a Gator ticket and a Jaguar ticket on the table and you asked 10 Jacksonville people who live in the city what ticket they want, 80% of them would take the Gator ticket before they take the Jags ticket. Don't buy Jags tickets. You, you, you buy Gator tickets. The Gators are more popular. That's why they get 85000 at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. When you go into the swamp, you see 85,000 fans in there. You don't see 85,000 fans where the Jags play. And you put Tim Tebow, a legendary Gator who can play maybe, hey, you're, gonna, you're, you're going to move the turnstile. So I'm all for this. Let it roll out, man. Yeah, but you're what about a roster spot that could go, hey, the Jags? <laughs> Tim Tebow's not going to hurt you. That's like telling me Larry Fitzgerald's out of gas. And then he would be a detriment to the Cardinals. You really think Larry Fitzgerald would be a bad thing for the Cardinals to have him on their roster? I looked at some guy the other day when he said that. He goes, well, Fitzgerald's lost it. And I go, so you're telling me you don't think Larry Fitzgerald, who took less money this year, is now being paid like a number four on your football team. He's not killing the Cardinals money-wise. You're telling me you could find a better number four in the NFL than Larry Fitzgerald? And he started thinking about it. He goes, well, he's not a number four. He goes, well, he is now salary-wise. That's why you can keep him on the roster. And that's why the Steelers, and when we talk to Kevin Colbert, can keep Ben Roethlisberger on the roster. Because you know why? He may not be Ben Roethlisberger five years ago, but he made it so that Ben Roethl Roethlisberger will not be a deficiency on the football team because he took less money and he fits into what they're doing. You know, it's all about the dough here. So I'm all for this, man. I just, I am. I'm all, I'm all for him being on that football team. All right, let's go over here. So um, I'm, I, I get a lot of people asking me every day, what team do you think that people ask me about the most? I get asked every day about the Cowboys. What do I think the Cowboys will do this year? How do you think they've done in the offseason? How do you think they're going to roll into the 2021 season? And I, and, I, and, and I keep hating to bring the topic up to them. But you know Groundhog Day? Okay? Do you know Groundhog Day? Groundhog Day is you see a guy come out, he looks up, and it's the same thing every day. I get people asking me the same question. How are the cow? I'm like this. Why do you ask me that question when you see the same result and same actions by Jerry and Stephen Jones every single year? Why are you asking when you can blatantly see it? You see, it's the same story every year. Nothing has changed. Jerry still medals. He still 
wants to sign the flashy and the cool lure that gets thrown into the pond. There's no integrity in how they draft. I think they got caught with their draws down when Patrick Sertan II was taken ahead of them. When Denver drafted ahead of the Cowboys, that's why they moved down in the draft. They needed time. Get this. They needed time to rethink where they were going. And it wobbled them. And I think it wobbled them the remainder of the draft. They got a bunch of guys that I was like, okay, they then they ended up, I think, if I'm not mistaken, with their second pick, they ended up reaching for a guy that was like a reach of a defensive back. And then the rest of the draft was like that. They were really steadfast on going after the Alabama Southeastern Conference Player of the Year. They really wanted this kid. So it's the same story. Will the Cowboys be better this year? I don't know. How did they improve? And signing Dak Prescott doesn't improve them. They were 1-3 when he got hurt. They should have been 0-4. I mean, if it wasn't for that, you know, miraculous comeback, but then again, it's the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, yeah, and I forgot. Who was the defensive coordinator of that football team? Now, all of a sudden, that guy is your D coordinator in Dallas, and you gave up that lead against the Cowboys, and now he's your guy? Let's not forget who that dude was also in the Super Bowl. Dan Quinn rolling into Dallas as your DC now? I mean, I think one year that he was there as their defensive coordinator, I think they finished in the top 10. The rest of them have been around 25. And now I'm under the, the, the belief here that he's going to change it around and the Dallas Cowboys are going to be world beaters on that side of the wall because you, what, are the, what are the words they're saying? Oh, because they're longer than they were in years past. All right. A lot more to hit on, man, as we get closer to – OTAs tomorrow we're gonna have Bruce Arians on the head football coach of the Dallas excuse me of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the world champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers it'll be a great conversation we appreciate you stepping in with us National Football Show you keep it pinned right here. 